welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is episode 49. Rather, I should say season one, episode 49, because uh, I don't know if this is going to be something that will be uh, known before this drops. There's going to be a season two. That's all I can tell you is at some point in probably 2023. <laughs> There will be a second season of this uh, with some new folks and possibly a new game and definitely a new setting. I'll break that right now. But for now, we're back here with our uh, OG cast of MJ and Kevin and Scott and Rick. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Not every everyone else, I guess. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Hey. So in our time zone, our, our time frame, our time-space continuum right now, we are just wrapping up the holidays. How, how's everyone's uh, holidays? Everyone uh, make it through uh, unscathed or at least uh, relatively unhurt, unburnt? Not even remotely, although a large portion of my family has COVID and I don't. So that's pretty exciting. But also a large portion of my family lives in Florida. So, you know, you kind of get... That's kind of what you're getting at. You're signing up for that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you should just assume that everyone in Florida has I'm it. shocked this is I'm... the first time they have it. Wow. Well, that they know of. Yeah, they, yeah. They've probably done things that a lot of other people are haven't. But that's, you know, that's an assumption. We have a tendency to hear the worst of Florida because... Because it's awful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I just ruin all of, all of our well, subscriptions I mean, in Florida? I, just aside quit. from the obvious things, they also, you know, the legend of the Florida man has mm -hmm. everything to do with the fact that they release all of their police blotter information nationally. And most states don't do that, but that's like, a, I guess, sunshine law or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, the amount of crazy stuff you hear going on there is probably not that much different than a lot of other places, but it's a lot more yeah. publicized. Yeah, 80% of the weird news comes out of Florida and let's insult another state, Ohio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's the thing. A lot of that stuff doesn't hit the... You got to go to hometown newspapers to find that stuff, but not in Florida. But anyway, back here in the real world. <laughs> that's like filled with implications. Yeah. And when I say real world, I mean, Ayamora. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just decided that I would like to consider this place that has hostile monsters, intelligent slime molds, dangerous creatures, and, uh, you know, many different armies fighting each other right now is a, a much happier, safer world. Well, at least you can walk around in armor and carry a sword. Yes. Right. Yes, that's true. And well, some and magic around. Yeah, the magic. And it is governed by an understandable, set, if complicated, set of rules, which, but it is like... <laughs> And they are published, so you know exactly what you're getting into, which some no worlds I could mention do not bother with. <laughs> and there's no debate on those rules at all. They're set in stone. <laughs> yes, they exist. No, yes. Everyone agrees they all work the same way. <laughs> yeah, and there's never any confusion. Well, gosh, golly gee whiz. Let's talk about what happened uh, leading up till now. Things have reached a... Uh, Somewhat satisfactory conclusion in the cauldron with the Michaelogs. Last couple things that happened, you fought your way to the cauldron through a pack of ravening Durgar led by a Grimgire, the Hungry. You managed to stop their feast of randomly eating Michaelogs in the street. You finally uh, assembled the Council of Michaelogs and found a false Fumal in the meeting. That was a surprise to all of you. But you were able to, using logic, a uh, little bit of clerical magic, and luckily the assistance of some more level-headed people in the room. Thankfully, this is a place where, you know, science and rationality has some sway. So once Razor was able to get the false Fumal in a zone of truth, it eventually broke down and revealed itself as some kind of agent of the God Without Shape. And what I can tell you is that he was... Something similar, it basically was essentially a podling with some extra special sauce from our friend uh, GWS there. Uh, <laughs> but last we left you guys, the decision was made to end the isolation in the cauldron and to, to open the place back up. Obviously, 
you know, there are some areas that are probably still a little bit unsafe, but they will let trade come down the rivers and they will let non-mycologues who are learning in the university and people who travel back and forth. And unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see a live culinary battle in the culinary arena, but those will be resuming as well. So Bade cuisine. Yes. And, uh, and let's, let us not forget, there's a whole theater area of Mycolog land here. That unfortunately was another thing we didn't get to, but productions will be going back up again. Oh yeah. You learned one more thing, lest we forget. You received a message through the Plexus from Drell Sabullis informing you that the seals had been replaced, but while that was going on, apparently the visible corruption kind of flushed itself out, catching uh, what Sabullis referred to as a primordial slime canal, which apparently there are those in the world. And All right, let's stop talking about Florida. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and revealed the existence of something uh, few people know about in the world, but there is apparently an uh, entity known as the Great Slime residing somewhere in the swamps of Enthodkis, home place of the dragon. Here we go. Corlecadortis. Corlecadortis. Nope. Corlectortis. Say that again. <laughs> the dragon Corlectortis and his creations, the kobolds. So you have been tasked with following your erstwhile enemy, the god without shape, down into this horrible place. So there's a day or two of downtime you guys will have before you uh, travel and decide because there's a lot of decisions you need to make about where you're going, how you're going to get there. But the one thing that I probably should have uh, let everyone know at the end of last episode, but completely forgot until between episodes was at the end of this arc of the story, you will level. Hey. So you all are going to be level seven characters. So I want to do is go briefly uh, kind of one by one with you and we'll talk about what has changed in your characters. So I'm going to go ahead and I'll do this in the order. I have people on the screen here and I will start with Rick. Tell me about level seven Razor. All right. We're doing this as we're talking. That's um, that's fine. It's a live leveling so we can do this yeah. live. I rolled four for my hit points, so I'm up to some pretty beefy hit points. What are your current hit points? 89, because I have a ridiculous constitution. Oh, okay. 89's not bad. Easy. Ridiculous constitution. That's what we're going to call it from now on. I didn't think we were using feats. (laughs) I have gained a fourth level spell. So, yeah, Um, so you can... Why don't we say it's stone skin right now? Yeah, seventh level for clerics, you really don't get... Yeah, there's no really extra features or anything you get. You do get some more spell slots, fire spells, obviously your hit points. But yeah, okay. Let me so, double check the book, but I, I think that's about it. Um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, seventh level is kind of, for most characters, is kind of a midpoint, because eighth is, uh, you know, as some classes have different thresholds. But um, okay, so yeah, yeah, that's it. That is it already. Uh, let's go to uh, Kiernan. Whopping seventh level. Well, I rolled a six on my hit points, so I'm up to a massive 58. Okay. (laughs) I get one extra second level spell, so that brings me up to three of those. Okay. The biggest thing I get is um, what's called exceptional training. Oh, yeah, I see that. So you get a... Oh, so this... Yeah, any turns your beast companion doesn't attack, you can use a bonus action to command a DD dash, disengage, or help. Yeah. So that's and, that's, beast, and your beast attacks count as magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity non-magical attacks. Ooh. So Rain is now a magical wolf. Yeah. I mean, Rain was always magical. So right, right. That's pretty much it for me. Alrighty. Yeah, but you can move him around during fights, which is nice. He can assist other people too. Yeah, that's just cool. Actually, that's really that's really huge because you know, aiding someone in combat can help give them advantage and whatnot. So we should be seeing a lot more rain getting involved in things, which is exciting. Yeah, hopefully the rain will stay alive. That's important. I think he'll be fine. I've only, I think I've only like taken him down like one time. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, and we'll go to Zika Hardwater. Kevin, what are we looking at for our seventh level Esog Druid? I'm assuming uh, druid, unless you want to multi-class something else. <laughs> I'll be I'll point. be sticking with the druid. So at the seventh level, uh, the biggest thing, really the only thing of note, is I get access to fourth level spells. 
Cool. Which uh, uh, I also get for the Circle of the Forest. I can I automatically have prepared at seventh level divination and freedom of movement. Oh, those are good. Yeah, those are so a couple of good ones there, as well as the uh, the general fourth level uh, right. selection. And that's yeah, that's another class where you can prepare spells differently every day from your right. list. So, how are your hit points sitting at right now, Azika? Uh, I rolled a mighty three. Okay, so that did bring me up to the big five zero. Oh, excellent. Which, uh, which sounded more impressive until I heard how many hit points everyone else has. Well, I'm sitting here in D&D Beyond and I'm updating these characters. And so far, everyone is above the estimated average amount. Wow. Actually, um, wow. yeah. So you're above where you uh, where you need to be. So everyone's doing good. So What's your hit die, Kevin? What's your hit die? What do you, oh, so you yeah. roll a D10 and I only have eight more than you, so... <laughs> Uh, let me see. Okay, so uh, that leaves us, last but not least, with our player characters here with Sir Nolan. Scott, Sir Nolan cool. at seventh level. I am excited because I am going to multi-class again to wizard just so I have some spells so I don't feel left out anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to be finally getting our second level of fighter to get okay. that action surge because I feel like I don't go enough and I, I want to go oh, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to do that. I'm also very excited to find out that I have, uh, I set my character up to always use the default role. So I've been getting dead on average with my meager constitution. I have 47 and I'm the frontline guy who runs in immediately in front of stuff. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> uh, also, I forgot last time that I have Uncanny Dodge because that was what I was going to make sure I got this time. And I was like, oh, I already have it. I should yeah, use no. that. I almost died last time. So I, I should be more survivable than I am. You know what? Actually, I, I think <laughs> I'm remembering the uh, MJ's Dragonborn characters using Uncanny Dodge. I was using it, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to write a sticky note and stick it on the top of my computer that says Uncanny Dodge. And hopefully that will help. So yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. I'm a bog standard human with the bog standard uh, fighter stuff. So, you know. Well, okay. This is a little unorthodox, but I'll run this by everybody. Since everybody's been rolling their hit dice hit points, and this is the thing, because in D&D Beyond, it just automatically does that. And a lot of times you don't even think about it. Yeah. So should we give Scott the opportunity to just roll his hit points? Because he would be rolling... 5d8 plus whatever his constitution is for his rogue levels and then 2d10 plus his constitution for his fighter level. I think we should force him to do that, even if it's... All right, let's see how it goes. That's true. It is possible he could come out as lower, but I'm betting it probably <laughs> won't. You know, well, this is what we'll do. If it's higher, we'll take it. If it's lower, we'll leave it at where it is, which is 47, which feels crazy low. And you have a... Okay, so you have a plus one to your constitution, so it's good. Yeah, I know. It's pretty great. Plus oh, I rolled an eight on one of my D8, so it's already better. Look at that. Okay. All right. Hang on. I got to add up a bunch of stuff because, of course, nope, I only no have problem. one D8 with me. And 60. Oh, I, I got all the way up to 50. <laughs> it's higher what? than you were. It is better. Well, and that's the thing is the majority of your hit dice are from Rogue. So... Yeah. Yeah. Rogues, you know, being sneaky and hanging in the back hey. don't need to be burly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, as as you get more fighter levels, it'll get a, it'll get higher. And, hey, and I remember fair, when, the, when rogues were thieves and thieves had D four and they died all the time. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I try to get in front. You just move so much faster than me that the front line outmoves me. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> that is sad. true. It's those uh, swashbuckler. Uh, but don't forget, Ricky, you have that. You do have that special armor quality, which lets you be a little faster. Yeah, I know. Okay, Still. just make sure, because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just remember that just now, but I, you know. Well, I think that armor should have leveled up by now where it <laughs> allows, you know, like branches to come out of it. And so I can swing from things like Tarzan on my way to places. I don't see Razor doing that, though, you know? <laughs> no. I don't, I, I, I don't I feel like Razor's like a swinging around kind of guy, but. I see could, him I, unwillingly being pulled. Places. Oh, in other words, the vines just come out and whip you places and you control over it? Yeah, yeah I can see that. That'd be funny. Yeah. God, I feel like that's something that the Knight of Brambles might have done. <laughs> just to be a dick. Okay, so, well, with leveling done with your characters, that leaves us... That leaves us with one question. As your days in the cauldron are coming to an end and you're getting ready to travel outwards, there's a big decision you need to make. 
about this party. And I'll give you an opportunity to guess what it is. Wings can stay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, wings will stay. (laughs) The Griffin writers will collect him so they can so they can get him on the mend. And because one Griffin and a party of like four to five people, is it going to do that much for you? All right on one griffin? I thought about it. I gave it some thought, but I'm like, "Mm, that's a big thing. But there is another not wings person that might come with you or or you might decide. But uh, the professor guy turned out to be a slime mold imposter. So I don't know who you're talking about. I can do this all day, man. Pretty sure somebody needs a squire. Well, that's the question. The question is, Morple, the Morple, uh, Morple keen eye has been um you know he's he's been with you the whole time and he's been helpful he's certainly helped you guys you know navigate through the forests and stuff and he's killed some monsters but you know there was talk about him being someone squire he certainly would like to come with you but he will you know he's basically uh, as an npc essentially I'll, I'll leave this fate up to you guys because if you do decide to bring him with you then there'll be some other questions and there'll be a, a different way i'll kind of want to handle him all right well, uh, pros and cons. If we bring him with us, hey, we got another guy, soaks up a little bit more damage. He's fairly useful. And if it comes right down to it, we can eat him uh, <laughs> for sustenance. No, we need to. Uh, cons. We're not guergars. Cons. He's a kind of annoying. Uh, and, you know, fair, he's probably going to get killed. Uh, and we're, we might feel bad about that. One more pro is that he is annoying to you. So that's, <laughs> that's for us. I had not considered that as a pro, <laughs> but I will put that on the list. I'll throw an extra thing in the pro column. If you do decide to bring him with you, I'm going to bump him up two levels because he's only like third level. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, he won't be so far behind you. If I can uh, stay in the metagaming realm here a bit. Pat, do you want to be saddled with an NPC who's around us all the time? So this is the thing. This is what I was thinking of. If we do take him, whoever is his master knight or whatever they call it, whoever his knight is, uh, and it can truly be any of you. I mean, you don't have to be a knight. You just, you know, you'll have a essentially a follower. You will be in control of his character sheet and you will decide what he does in combat. And then out of combat, I can continue to role play him unless you want to role play two characters, which I'm betting no one does. I, I'm more than happy to continue playing. Let's him. just put it this way. Nobody die because if it is, we're not introducing a new character. You got to play more, Paul. <laughs> That's the punishment for your dying. Well, I am content to bring him along. Scott saying Nolan would be fine with it too, but I, I assume we'll do that in character. Scott doesn't have a problem with it. I don't know that he is my squire yet as that he has not, I mean, I can train him up that way and see if he goes that way, but I'm not like sure he's got the temperament. He's got that like weird middle road. I'm a monster hunter thing, which, you know, you can work with. So I'll give it a shot. But if someone else wants to have an assistant, we can call an audible down the road. But if we want to start him with me, making him clean the armor and clean up the camp and take care of the horses and all that kind of stuff, no one can order somebody around. It's cool. <laughs> My vote is that Nolan orders him around. I'm, right. No, I just, I personally don't want to be the knight to the squire or whatever. Yeah, so the, if somebody else wants to, that's cool. No. He is a ranger. No. He has three levels of ranger. He can always go into something else. But if, well, if he's going to be my squire, he's going to need to at least take one level of rogue and then maybe one level of fighter. I mean, there's no way. I can't teach him. <laughs> yeah, I can totally do that. It'll be weird. So a knight steals stuff? No, no, no. But that's just how you start. Come on, let's... <laughs> You got to steal your first armor. (laughs) Well, the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, loot, steal, you know, also, uh, Scott, you're kind of um, uh, the idea of kind of starting your own essential. Yeah, uh, no, I know. I I know. Though everyone else was kind of like, that's nice. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, no, it's festering in my gut. Uh, Don't worry about it. Razor's all for bringing him along because, you know, he's another weapon to be uh, yeah. forged and to fight the evils of the world. So, yeah, I, I think we should bring him along just because uh, I want later us all to be fighting over it. You know, as of now, we're all kind of arm's length. Like, OK, we should bring him along. It's, you know, it's always good to have another guy around and, you know, that kind of thing. But and then I think there's going to be a point where like, no, Morpal comes with me. <laughs> It'll put that horse discussion to shame. So, yeah, I I will take him and he can start as my squire and we will see if I'm a good or bad influence on him and somebody feels the need to rescue him. All right. That that sounds fair. All right. (laughs)
Alrighty. At some point, I'll need to steal them from you just so I can go into the library and read. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with that scene. Basically, over the next day, you guys, you're given, you know, lodging in the city because I think you came here and immediately left <laughs> a couple of times. So um, hmm. you get at least a, a couple of days in the city while everything is kind of being put back together. And uh, during the course of the day, uh, different people are talking with you. There are people who are taking down your stories to add to the lexicon of knowledge, but mostly you're formulating what you're going to do. And at some point, while you're all kind of getting a little bit of downtime, uh, Morple will approach. Uh, so I uh, just wanted to, to check in with you guys and uh, see how... Uh, everything is going I, I guess you guys are gonna be uh leaving in a little bit to go uh to go south which sounds exciting uh, just well, what are your plans marple oh well um my plans are pretty fluid I guess you know I could stay and help with the defense of the city but to be honest I, I don't think they're gonna need a monster hunter in the city but I was heading out by myself before. So I guess I would probably just, you know, kind of wander in a direction and and try and uh, find more monsters. Well, as someone who has wandered off by himself before in search of uh, glory and enough coin to eat a meal, I can tell you that the solo game isn't all it's cracked up to be. So I would suggest if you are planning to head out and look for trouble that you come with us. You will find trouble. It will be dangerous. And there's a reasonable chance that we're fighting some kind of godlike entity that will kill us eventually. So, you know, understand the risks here, but I think we're doing important work and I think you can help. So if you would like to come. Yes, I yes, believe, I would like to come. Um, we would all be happy to have you if there are no objections from the rest of the group. And he like he listened with little mushroom eyes just looking at all you guys like, oh, please, please. Well, Marple, I've got one question for you. Yeah? What is your opinion on traveling with horses? I, uh, I'll, I'll, I... Perfect. He doesn't yeah. know. Yeah, all right, good. I have no real opinion either way. Perfect. You'll fit right in. Do you know how to settle one? I'm a fast learner. I've read about it in books, so probably, yeah. All right. Well, he needs to step up on me when I started. <laughs> so... Since I'm going with you guys, I want to take the oath. Oath? Yeah, you guys, you took an oath with the um the lady from the forest, right? And obviously she's not around anymore, but uh, but there is a knight. Well, let's think on that. Because an oath is a, is a serious thing, and we have fulfilled the conditions of our previous oath. But I think we have an unspoken agreement between us that we are in this fight to the end. And I think we can formalize that at some point and bring you into the fold. But we'll have to wait a moment or two while we discuss it. But certainly, I think that's a good idea. There are nightly oaths too, but that is a decision that I'm not sure that you're ready to make at this time. So we'll wait on those and see what your vocational proclivities yes, lie I, before we do that. I'm well aware of how the nightly structure works in theory. I have read a little about the Order of the Broken Lance, but yeah. I feel like it's, well... They're assholes now? Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's a whole other thing. God without shape first, then we'll deal with that. Great. Let's go get him. <laughs> All right. Now, Morpo, you're going to have to do a lot of what we call um, crap work to start. Now, <laughs> here's how you do the horses. <laughs> yeah yeah he will learn all about tack and uh but yeah we'll get him to do doing like camp stuff and then gradually like bring him in to be like okay now you will take a watch at this point and like put him into like actually like okay now you're actually doing stuff but on the same time he will you know kind of carve out some of the the other duties from people to help with the camp and maintaining yeah. the animals and well yeah the good news with him is train He's very perceptive. He's good, at least for uh, noticing things. His abilities beyond that probably need a little work, but he, you know, he can do things. But all right. Yeah. So as you guys are assembled, it's getting towards time to kind of start making decisions. So what you know about M. Thodkis is not a lot because... It's been what, a while since we did that episode. 
Well, also, you you are <laughs> privy to almost none of that knowledge. Yeah. I did talk about how I went back and we listened to it. And I asked you guys, don't feel like you have to go back and listen to it because it could probably hinder you at this point with information mm. you don't have. Uh, so good thing we did it a while ago. So this will become all new surprise as you will. Oh, yeah, I remember. I think I did that. But what I can tell you is that it's a massive swamp, but more of your dark and foreboding swamp. The swamp areas of the cauldron are more like kind of that verdant, uh, you know, when you see those sunshiny, uh, uh, like the nice parts of the bayou, you know, where the big overhanging trees and frogs are croaking and all that stuff. This is more like the uh, dark and foreboding swamp in a horror movie. It's a good distance away from the cauldron. All right, I'm, I'm sensing an exciting discussion of how we're going to get there. I oh, it's coming up. Air it's balloon. coming up. All uh, right, cool. It's 156 miles southwest if you're going in a straight shot between here and, and there to get basically to the northern end of Emthodkis. There are a couple other ways you can get there. There's no direct road. There's a main road that goes to the breadbasket, and there's the river that goes down to the forge, and there's probably also a road that goes to the forge. The forge is the, the closest major area to that. The forge is to the west, and there's a number of rivers that go through the forge lands intersecting through and the river that comes down from the south of the cauldron goes down to the forge and then catches up with a river that goes east all the way in to the swamps of Emthodkis that go in basically on the uh, eastern side of that. What I can tell you is that those of you who have traveled around and definitely Razor, you're kind of grown up close enough to know that it's supposedly an incredibly dangerous place. They don't like outsiders. There's rumored to be tons and tons of monsters. And definitely there is, without a doubt, a dragon um, because the dragon is occasionally sighted flying around. As a matter of fact, in recent times, there have been reports that Corlick Tortoise has been seen kind of menacingly flying around the area, but not really leaving the area. But it's been seen more in recent time than in quite a while. So, but as you guys are, you know, having that discussion, there will be a knock at your door. I'll look at Morple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get the door. Who, who is it? Uh, young one, I'm going to ask you kindly to step aside. I have to... Uh, Talk to the heroes. <laughs> oh, he said heroes. Let him in. Okay. Morple just kind of sheepishly moves aside, and you see a, uh, well, you see a being that only two of you will recognize. Kiernan and Zika, you will recognize right away, figure of Drell Sabullis. The rest of you will see a guy that's probably about six inches shorter than Morple, clad in these crazy colored robes, and his mushroom cap actually goes up to a cone, essentially, that looks a lot like a wizard's hat, um, but is his actual head. He's carrying the staff that is twice his size and has a heavy satchel at his side. This is Drell Sabullis. Oh, good. You're here. Wait, don't... Ziki? Z Close. Zika. Zika, yes. Surprised you remember, to be honest. And uh, Kyle? <laughs> oh, very close. It's good to see you again. And Rain's the doggy. Yeah, you got it. Rain's the doggy. Yep. All right. And you must be Orum? No, Agram? <laughs> I'm Orum. Flaskmaster at your service. Oh, Flaskmaster. Wait, Flaskmaster? Yes. I seem to remember a keg of this strong dwarven ale with a stamp of the Flaskmaster family. Is that you? That would be us. Wow. That stuff was adequate. Dwarven, I'm not a big ale guy. I'm like more of a wine drinker, but a lot of the transmutation kids uh, had a really good time with that. It was a whole thing. They all turned into different animals. And it was, a, anyway, hold on. And this is, uh, Sir. Oh, so close. Sir Nolan Cat, at your service. I am a big fan of ale. And it is exciting to find out that my companion is holding. <laughs> and I'll give you a beautiful look. Later. Come on. <laughs> so I know you guys are getting ready to leave. And I just got into town a little while ago. Well, 
I mean, I blamped into town about 20 minutes ago, to be fair. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this town, but somebody told me that they, I got an official invitation to sit on the council in a probationary period. And I, uh, I did not tell them to go screw themselves right away. I said, I might tell you to go screw yourself, but I might also do it. I'm likely going to send someone down here like a flunky to do it because meetings. <laughs> anyway, Amthodkiss, that's where you're going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, okay. that's the plan. Although don't tell everyone. Right, right. Okay. I have some information I can give you, not a ton, but I did want to give you some stuff to help you on your way. So we'll drop out of character for a minute. So everyone will get the choice of a spell scroll or a potion. Now, obviously, Nolan... Potion me up, baby. And what I'll do is the spellcasters, he will offer you a spell scroll, I'll say fifth or sixth level spell of your choice in your list. Or you can get one common, uncommon, or rare potion. So in other words, you get a potion of superior healing, which is 8d4 plus 8. Potion of stone giant strength. Potion of flying. Potion of invisibility. Flying Sir Nolan sounds pretty awesome. That's what I'm leaning on right now, but I will consider something else for a little bit here. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking I might lean towards something for the whole team in a spell scroll of mass cure wounds. Oh, nice. Okay. A fifth level druid spell. Okay. I'm thinking a scroll of flame strike because, you know, as much as I'd like insect plague and think it would be useful for the region, I don't think it's a razor thing. Okay. <laughs> Kiernan, is there anything you're thinking off the top of your head or do you want to? Looking right now, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Just make a note to figure something out and then we'll yep. we'll discuss. Already. I'm going to take the potion of flying because how can you not take a potion of flying? I mean, yeah, it is. Because uh, there's going to be a point where one of us is going to need to fly. And I'll be like, I could have had that potion. Not a bad option to have. Yeah. All right. So I've kind of uh, poured through the information that I have. And what I can tell you is this. Like I said, there's not a ton of real official information about this place. People don't go in there and nothing usually comes out except, you know, the occasional mercenary companies and beasties here and there. But what I can tell you is that the whole thing is uh, basically a funnel. It funnels down gradually from all sides down to a, a point in the middle that is a few hundred feet below sea level. And that is where, um, from what I understand, the dragon lives whole center of their culture is based on, well, you know, the dragon cultures, the people who are these, you know, creations or servants of the great dragons. Generally, their whole thing is appeasing or, you know, in some cases defending like the dragonborn, but the kobolds basically, uh, you know, just kind of serve at the whim of this great dragon. So I got to imagine that the further down you get, the nastier it gets. This great slime, well, this is something that I learned about not too long ago. I had a student who was developing these eh, slime molds and fungal creatures, and uh, it was really kind of nasty stuff. But they told me that there is a uh, a one great slime intelligence that exists uh, deep in the swamps of Enthodkis that basically creates different kinds of oozes and slimes and and similar creatures. The kobolds use them as weapons. And that's where this particular student was able to get their hands on a a number of different strange spores and samples of of slime molds. And based on the direction that that slime canal uh, seemed to be heading, I would assume that it is probably pretty deep down. Unfortunately, uh, not probably all that far from uh, where the dragon is. So you're going to probably need to go pretty deep into the place, uh, which eh, not the easiest thing in the world. There's really only one direct route that is known just because it's the only one that makes sense is the river because that river goes directly down and feeds down into that swamp. So, you know, that river has to go down there to the north and northeast uh Settlements uh, around there report lots of noise, explosions mostly. That's, uh, I guess, uh, where a lot of their um, strange, uh, you know, big things that go boom and their uh, crazy floating uh, contraptions can be seen. 
but um, probably you will encounter more, for want of a better word, civilized kobolds up there because they're the smart ones. There is a place where non-kobolds can make contact with kobolds, usually uh, to hire them out for uh, mercenary work or whatever. But from you know, what I hear, if you go to the uh, Booms End Inn, which is way over on the eastern side of the whole shebang, they might be able to get you at least part of the way in. And honestly, if you want to cut through the forest at any point here, the, the word out there is that uh, the whole place is lousy with booby traps and false trails and horrible things. But as far as the old Banff trick goes, I can zoom people pretty much anywhere in our immediate vicinity because, you know, I, I scry all over the place within the cauldron and the surrounding areas. I've never been able to get scrying anywhere near that place. I could probably teleport you like halfway there. I'd have to do it kind of early in the day just because I, you know, takes a little bit of reserves. So if you want to go a longer way, you could travel the river down to the forge and then, you know, go east from there. But it's a little bit longer of a trek or you can, um, you know, just either go around directly walking in the forest, uh, you know, but I don't know. That's what I can tell you. All right. Well, halfway there. Sounds good to me. Is that halfway there on a road on its way there or halfway there into the wilderness? Like if you can get us to Breadbasket and we travel the rest of the way on the road to Anthodkiss, that saves us some time. So I would take that. Yeah, I, I could do that. I could get you but, there uh, and then you'd be approaching uh, more, you know, northeasterly. But if the inn is on the eastern side that we, we booms end in or whatever we want to get to as our point of contact to get the lay of things, then that will go. Assuming that's a place where, you know, outsiders might go. I think we want to go. I'm just guessing that we're not going to sneak in. So I think we need to go to the place where the outsiders are welcome, if not common. But I think what I know about kobolds is they hire out as mercenaries periodically. Nolan, your point of origin is closer there to anyone else. But Threehold and that whole region is separated by a ton of mountains. Mm -hmm. um, that They're all just fine with being there. <laughs> <laughs> So you have um, probably taken yeah. that road at one point that goes from the breadbasket? Yeah. You know. Audrum, you think we should go through the forge? We could teleport it closer to the forge, go there, and then make our way then Thodkiss that way. I think we're kind of going along the same northern road to get there, or we could, you know, maybe get passage on the river. I'm not terribly familiar with the forge. And, uh, well, you know, uh, sailing crafts, or if you even want to go back. One thing... Uh, it's our duty to our mounts, and there's no way we want to take them into the swamp. So we need to take mm -hmm. them somewhere we can secure them where they'll be safe and then travel mm -hmm. in. The river might be the best way to travel in. Of course, if they're not idiots, they'll fortify it. Yeah. Well, again, if since they do trade with the outside, there must be some at least initial place people can come, I would think. Maybe not. Maybe they all do it through agents in other areas, but it seems like you would have some ability to, even if you don't let people into the Swamp Major, you would have someplace to entertain people who might want to come by and trade you with you so. or contract mercenaries, get impressed by your dragon. Um, well, uh, when I was growing up in the hills with father, we would occasionally uh, truck down there uh, to trade, and we would meet uh, merchants outside the swamp, and we would exchange. Mm -hmm. We would head back up into the hills with our bitters and such, and they would return to the swamp. Okay. So. Yeah, so you would know that there are defense posts along the river. Yeah. Um, there's like, you're right when you go in, there's these towers where they kind of watch the river. And there's also rumors that there are waterbound creatures that are also there that they kind of let roll around and do whatever they want. But another piece of information that Sibolus will give you is that there has been apparently parties of orcs moving into the south of Emthodkis and just causing trouble in response to apparently something that happened in the war. So something that kobolds did pissed the orcs off enough to actually send some troops into there. You don't know how important it is to them, but there is some kind of action going on in the south of Anthodkis, uh, reportedly that might be, uh, you know, a little bit of a distraction too. But you're unsure how accurate that is. You know, it's also hard to believe that they already have a war going on with different people, and then they're going to break off and send people up into there. 
on one hand, it's kind of insane, but on the other hand, you know, orcs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that being said, let's avoid the south. Yeah. Unless we can get to that tavern. I don't know how far south or where the rumors are in that. That's right on the edge of the middle portion Okay. on the eastern edge. So and that probably isn't close to anything like that. The river goes down in a southeastern way. Obviously, it settles in the in the very middle. So if the orcs could push all the way into the dragon's lair, that would be something. But it's, you know, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if they can do that, they're a bigger problem than we could handle. Yeah. Anymore. Like, it's not like they sold their whole army there to go wipe out the kobolds. But apparently there's something happened that probably pissed Dalar off <laughs> enough to spare some troops to go. Perhaps keep them from um, sending more troops to help the dragonborn. Because that is a known thing. Yeah. Well, so uh, what do you think? It is also possible that we could, um, I mean, you know, our normal way is to just kind of show up and get entry however we might. It is possible that I might know somebody, probably not here, but maybe in the breadbasket from my uh, uh, previous life as a knight in training who has certain criminal type contacts who might know how to get a hold of some kobolds in there and we get in and it's like, hey, we're trying to uh, see if hiring some kobold mercenaries or engineers or something would be something that would help us. Um, that is a very architect-like thing to do. <laughs> is to be like, hey, I might know a guy. Well, I also have the criminal background, so you know. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's right. That is that is a background thing too. Your criminal background. Yeah. You like you do. You know people, places. Yeah. 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 There's. Yeah. You definitely know of someone who's probably still in breadbasket, likely even maybe a shifty halfling. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I would guess a shifty halfling. It would, it'd be weird if it wasn't. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's there's a shifty ogre there who. Uh... <laughs> Halflings just tolerate for some reason. His I don't name know is why. Brian. He lives off yeah. to you know, the ogre <laughs> over the hill. So we could go. I could do that. Uh, we could talk to Brian. Uh, <laughs> Brian the ogre, who's a shifty halfling. It's <laughs> very strange. Don't don't think about it too much. It's a long story, and don't don't ask him to tell it to you. We could do that, and that would get us a. Presumably, we could get an in to get in there on some semi-legitimate means. And then it's just all up to our determination and charm to get them to convince them to let us to go fight some slimes. Yeah. <laughs> We're worried about getting in, it gets us in. If we think we can just get to that tavern, we can go that way. We could also go someplace and ask, like, hey, can we get to this tavern? Because I'm going to guess, since when you traded with them that you met outside, that they're not a, hey, come on in. Come in, look around the swamp. We'll have a few laughs. Yeah. The other thing is we could go in posing as mercenaries looking to hire on to enhance the skills of one of their groups or something like that. But we'd have to disappear from that pretty quickly because I'm sure they're going to want to test us and then hire us out. And, you know, that's a problem. Odds are they're not going to get hired out to go fight the slime. So that's probably not going to help us. I don't know. Anybody have any other thoughts? And we can just blunder in like we normally do. That's fine, too. <laughs> no, that, that works for me. Yeah. Why don't we do that? All right. Kiernan, do you have any thoughts? Uh... Just glad we're not going towards the traps. Oh, I mean, <laughs> everywhere you go is you're going towards traps. <laughs> Good. <laughs> There's traps everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, the bread basket is full of them. It's, I mean, the bread basket, it's all yeah, rakes no, and I mean, pies to the face. It's brutal. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, you're, yeah. I mean, where you're initially going, uh, theoretically, should be fine. My, my only other question to the group, is there any reason anybody doesn't want to go to bread basket? I've never been. I think I might have walked through it once, but I'd, I'd certainly love an opportunity to find out what it's like there. All right. Oh, yeah. We might as well go there less. since okay. we can't see the culinary wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've been okay. to the, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to remember what the mini bread basket was in uh, in uh, uh, Melshar. <laughs> It was like it was like the bread. Uh, it was the bread basket, but the bre oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, bread box. The bread box. That's what it was. It was the bread box. <laughs> it's where the halfling revolutionaries were. All right. Well, uh, you want to go to the bread basket? I can. I can get you there. No problem. Yeah. Well, let's see that, and let's see if that'll work. Alrighty. So you guys in your uh, mounts and what have you? Yeah, I think so. I think we probably are not bringing them to the swamp. We might be. Stabling them in bread basket. Yeah, I mean, they're, we'll you know, the inn, they're likely, if, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll have facilities to, to, you know, to be weird. The halflings probably won't cook them right away. No, no, yeah. yeah. 
the next morning. Morpho, any ideas? Oh, um, I've never been to the breadbasket. I'm hoping that if we got to trick some people into letting us, uh, you know, get past uh, there, I, I think that um, I'm, I'm hoping that works. Uh, All right. Morple's in. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, Morple's going to go wherever you guys go. Yeah, I know. I know. So, um, you know, the following morning, you guys will meet with Sibola. Uh, Sibolus will, you know, show up there and pretty close to the break of day. Right outside of the lodgings you're staying, he will have made a circle in the ground with strange, uh, different colored, like uh, salts and crystals and things. And there's little symbols. He's like, all right, and we got right here is your uh, standard uh, teleportation circle. This is to make it a little easier to do this uh, kind of ritual casting. That way I can get everyone here and focused there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you uh, right into, uh, let me see here. There's a, uh, he also has set off to the side his little mirror, smaller than the giant mirror that he had. It's like his travel scrying mirror, but it's up on like a little like easel almost thing. And he's just like, okay. That is, yeah, no, that's, I'm going to put you where you're going to freak people out. Okay, yeah, we'll do this. You'll be just outside of the main thoroughfare of uh, of the village in the middle. You will probably notice, huh, uh, more elves than usual, which is weird. Well, not too weird. Yeah, might be a little tense. I mean, it's tense for the breadbasket, so it's like normal for everywhere else. All righty, whenever you're ready. All right, I... <laughs> ready we'll go to wherever we're gonna lead the, in the lead stepper like, to wherever he has to tell us all right all right whenever you're ready bye-bye bye bye you for a moment are surrounded by this bright unearthly light those of you who have been teleported before it's not dissimilar to that except it's like bigger and a lot more involved affair and then as this light vanishes from your sight you are standing in a, uh, a meadow to one side of you. There is just vast fields of grain and like apple trees. And uh, there's, you know, fields where they're growing potatoes. And and obviously uh, being the season, there's a lot of leafy greens and stuff being grown. See the other side of you, there's this just adorable little village. <laughs> it's like the quaintest little farm village you've seen except the buildings are smaller, but there's a lot of them. And on the outskirts, just beyond, like right kind of on the edge of your field of vision, every here and there, there's odd looking little emplacements. You can kind of gather that these are elven emplacements that were put here after the Claudian incursion, the annexing. There are halflings moving in and about this place and it is cooler here it's just more of like what we would think of as like an early winter kind of a, a feel to it the leaves are down from most of the trees like you know the apple fields have long since been picked clean the only things that are growing here are like the leafy vegetables the things that grow more in the winter time there are many farming operations that are kind of hunkering down for the winter, but there is definitely a nip in the air here and people are, you know, wearing their heavier gear. Nolan, your associate, who I believe we've been calling Brian the Ogre. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I have a more halfling name if you want it. Okay, great. Yes, this is all your okay. thing. All right. He is Arf Split Barrel, short for something, but he's never mentioned it. Okay. Also known as Shady Arf. I assume he... Sets up shop at a tavern somewhere. He always said he was going to uh, buy his own tavern, but I, d I doubt he's got there yet. So he's probably at one. And I will also admit that I only wanted to go to Breadbasket because I was reasonably sure we wouldn't be in a swamp. So I just wanted some non-swamp done. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so once you have gotten there without too much attention from just bamfing into a place, you're far enough away. <laughs> you mosey into the main thoroughfare. You will uh, eventually come upon... A tavern called. Uh, hold on, the the, hmm. the random tavern generator uh, names are ridiculous. I had a feel. Uh, I had a feeling you might be using a random generator. I know I would, <laughs> because I'm not that clever. No, but the the, the yeah. <laughs> Bad news. The tacky stag. The tacky There's an inn called the Tacky Stag. Okay. I'm just wondering if the stag is a stag that is sticky or if the stag is just like, you know, dressed uh, garishly and there is, likes, you know, 
reality TV. <laughs> the tavern, the tavern, the sign of the inn is a giant picture of a glorious stag with a, a huge set of antlers. Your head is looking off in uh, one direction, but this hindquarters of him happens to be standing under uh, what appears to be a maple tree that has been tapped. And uh, unbeknownst to this elk, his rear end is being covered with maple syrup hmm? or sap, really. Oh, boy. Sap. <laughs> so he's tacky. Um, this is so, probably the result of the dumbest story that whoever just, runs this tavern just thinks is hilarious. I just the think I'm the elk grazed under a working maple tree and uh, got covered with sap. I just assume their signature dish is some sort of a maple flavored venison. Weirdly enough, Let's that find is absolutely out. what they have. <laughs> uh, yes. And as you look in, uh, it's a. Uh, Still fairly early in the morning. However, these are halflings, so this place is just live with activity. <laughs> uh, it's people pretty heavily. There is uh, music being played and fun being had by uh, quite a few farm folk here. And as you uh, make your way into the tavern, you're like looking around and says, if he's anywhere, he's here. And you hear from deep within the tavern, I've split barrel for the last time. You're cut off. Get out of here. That's our guy. <laughs> and you uh, you have your guy. Mm-hmm. And we will pick up with that on our next episode. As you uh, are one step closer to uh, a horrible, horrible swamp. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I'm excited. We might so, get to the swamp uh, next episode. I'm pretty yeah, excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're <laughs> doing all you can to stay as far away from the swamp as long as possible. <laughs> we'll get you there. By yeah. golly, we will get you there. My feet are dry, and we're they're going to stay that way for at least another 12 hours. <laughs> Glorious. Glorious. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll pick up there in two weeks. See ya. Bye. 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 Thank you, everybody, for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our Apprentice Architect Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell, and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.